Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. The Sunday morning, as I want to have a follow-up to yesterday's message. Yesterday we talked about, is it appropriate for a Christian to attend a same-sex wedding? And of course, it's kind of, it's always controversial. It's a tough thing. You always have to balance this idea of, we don't want to turn people off. We don't want to uh, make decisions that sh- sh- slam doors shut so we can never have a relationship in the future. And yet, am I endorsing something that's wrong and that I'd say is wrong by going to that wedding? I encourage you to listen to that message, If uh, and it's important. I make a case there. Alistair Begg, who's a very popular uh, pastor in the area and on the radio, He said he would attend under certain conditions. I disagreed with him. I encourage you to check it out and to think about it because it is an important decision for those of us who name the name of Christ in our day and age. But afterwards, someone raised the question with me, well, Tom, if you wouldn't attend a same-sex wedding because that's a sinful thing, would you go to the wedding of people who've been living together uh, prior to marriage because that's sinful? And is it hypocritical of you and wrong for you to say, I wouldn't attend the one, uh, the homosexual one, but I would attend the the heterosexual one? And is that just homophobia and things of this nature? It's a good question. And although I was talking to my wife about this, she said, well, that, the answer to that ought to be obvious. Well, maybe for some people it's not. So let's talk about it here a bit. Let's remind ourselves what is what uh, some scripture here to bring to light on this. All right, you ready? Here we go. I want to start with Hebrews 13, verse 4. And it says this, marriage is to be in uh, marriage is to be held in honor among all. Typo there. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let's define two words here. An adulterer is someone who defiles their marriage bed. They're married. They bring someone else besides their spouse into the marriage bed. That defiles the marriage bed. That's called adultery. And that and Scripture says God will judge that person, and he will. But what's this word fornication? Fornication is someone who does not honor marriage by engaging in sexual relationships before marriage. And so they, they may not realize this, but anyone who's doing that is dishonoring the institution of marriage. I tell young people on campus, if you're engaging in sexual immorality before marriage, you're dishonoring your parents' marriage. You're dishonoring the institution of marriage. You're dishonoring your future marriage. And, and it's, it, there are consequences to doing this. And so we want to be people who hold marriage in honor. Let me tell you, in the, in our, in the church today, it's not held in, in, the, in our culture today, it's not held in honor anymore. And the church must fight this battle strongly because we believe that strong, uh, that, that God established marriage, God defined marriage, God has the right to define marriage, and the more we bring our own lives into conformity with the will of God, the more blessed we'll be, the more strong we'll be, the more blessed our churches will be, our offspring will be, our children will be, the more blessed our nation will be. We're paying a steep price for having embraced the sexual revolution that has abandoned 
what what is now called traditional views of marriage, what I would call the biblical view of marriage. And it is traditional because it's not only biblical, but it's held by most cultures of the world other than those that have embraced uh, 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 the sexual revolution. So hold marriage in honor. This is important. And the church and you and I must fight to do this. Now, again, what is a marriage? It's defined, Jesus defined it in Matthew 19, we saw yesterday, but he quoted from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where it says that Adam there was no, found no helper who was suitable for him, and so God put him into a deep sleep, took a rib from his side, and created a woman, Eve, and, and said, for this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become, they shall become one flesh. This is marriage. It's between a man and his wife, and these two people become one flesh. And when that happens, that is a marriage. So in the process, they're getting married, and so you might ask, what is a wedding? A wedding is the public ceremony in which people who are leaving father and mother to cleave to one another and to start a new family, they publicly declare this. They declare their uh, promises, their, and, and it's interesting, I looked up on, on, online to see what people are saying, what is a wedding? And they use the word, they declare their promises to one another. I like a better word, they declare their vows to one another. Now, vows are promises that they make to one another before God. And it's important to realize that the promise isn't just to their spouse, the person they're marrying, their promise is before God. Let me give you a, a, a little hint here on how to have a, a good marriage. And that is, I'm going to, to us men, I'm going to be a good husband, no matter how my wife acts. Why? Because I made promises before God. And so whether I think she's living up to what she said, I'm going to live up to what I said because it's not this 50-50, I'll do it if you do it. It's rather, I do it because God said to do it, because I promised before God, and I'm living in obedience to God. Likewise, women, on put the shoe on the other foot, that the promises you make on your wedding day to your husband in front of God, you're going to keep those promises, whether he does or not, because you're doing it in obedience to God. And you said you made those promises before God. When each of us in a wedding decide, I will be the man God wants me to be, I'll be the husband God wants me to be, I'll be the wife God wants me to be, instead of saying, I'll be the husband my wife deserves, or I'll be the wife my husband deserves, and we can get angry at one another, and you weren't a good husband, I won't be a good wife. No, I'll be what God calls me to be, and that's the way to a growing, successful, happy marriage, you both get better because you're focusing your eyes on God, not on maybe how one another failed you or disappointed you, etc. But what's a wedding? A wedding is when you make those promises before God. Why do you attend a wedding? You attend a wedding because you are a witness of those promises. And although we have lost sight of this in our culture, theoretically, the reason you're attending there is to say, I will hold you accountable to this. I heard you make promises in front of me, promises to your husband or wife before God and before me, and I'm going to help you fulfill those. It is a, a wedding is a commitment 
we're a new family getting started, their friends, their family, their associates, people say, I'm coming alongside to help this relationship succeed, to help this new family make it. And, uh, and that's where we are. That's what, that's why we attend the wedding ceremony. And so what, okay, let's get back to this question now. What about the couple that they're already living together? So they're dishonoring marriage, but now they choose to get married. Would you attend? And I would say, yes, I would in almost all situations. I would attend because even though they, I think they've made the wrong decision by living together, now they're making the right decision by getting married, and I want to support the right decision. To me, that seems obvious and the and, um, thing to do, and I would encourage that, and I would want to help this new relationship, this new marriage now, succeed. And I would hope that there is, you know, you say, well, do they honor marriage? I mean, if they were living together, they weren't honoring marriage. Do you think they're honoring the marriage now by getting, getting married? They're honoring the institution of marriage. They had dishonored it by not being married and living together. I would say this. They may not understand it to the degree I wish they would. They may not, they may not uh, be respecting marriage to the degree I would want them to now that they're getting married. I would hope that they would say, you know, we lived together. We shouldn't have. We wish we would have waited till we were married. I'd hope they say that. But again, even if they don't understand it to the degree that I would want them to, I would affirm and support that they're making the right decision, and I would want their marriage to succeed. They're heterosexual people. They're getting married. That's a good thing. But I said probably. Could there be an exception? And the exception might be this. What if they are professing believers in Christ? What if they are active in a church and they've been living together unmarried even though they're professing Christians? Would I then attend? Uh, it's a tougher question to answer. And the bigger question is, why did the church allow them to continue living together in sin while they were active members of that church? Because this raises the question from First, uh, from First Corinthians chapter 5 that I would like to read to you here. Paul writes, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean at all with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you'd have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Now, that's pretty heavy. That's called church discipline. And unfortunately, it's not practiced much today. And its lack of being practiced is one of the reasons the church has lost both its spiritual strength, its moral authority, and its testimony before the world. How many people do you know who say the church is filled with hypocrites? Why? Because we say one thing is wrong, and we, we look the other way when people in our church are practicing it. People attending our church are doing the very things we say are wrong. And this is where the, it's a fine line, is it not, that as a church, we, we welcome people. We say, we, we're, we're here for all people. But are sinners welcome to the church? Yes. But the assumption is you're repenting. You're saying, I realize I'm wrong. I want to change my life. 
not I've come and saying, I'm living in overt sin, but you know, that's all right. God forgives me. I'm going to just keep living this way. That's not what Christianity is. And Paul told the Corinthians they should have taken a stand against that. And so the lack of church discipline is a problem here. This is really on the leadership of the church. Why did they allow that to keep happening? And so it puts me in a condition, would I would I attend that wedding? Well, again, I would want to, if they were believers, professing believers, I would want to know, did they repent of what they were doing before they got married? Are they just getting married because it says it's time to do it and it's kind of a good thing to do? Are they getting married because they said, you know what, we we have this relationship, we love one another, we want to have a family, and we are only to be doing this within marriage. We repent of our fornication prior to marriage. Now, this raises one other question I just want to talk about briefly here, and that's this. Should we live together before marriage to make sure we're compatible? Folks, you'd be surprised how many people believe this today. I would say almost everyone believes this. I would say that this is so common in our culture today amongst the youth, including amongst Christian kids, Christian young people, believing that that they've been told this, that you should live together before marriage to make sure it works, to make sure you're sexually compatible, to make sure you like one another enough to live together, to see how that works. This is so wrong. This is so wrong, and it sounds so good, but it's so deceptive. Here's why. Every people who love one another and live together will inevitably have conflict. And sometimes the conflict can be severe. And and the conflict to overcome it and to become stronger requires commitment. We make it through difficulties by saying, I will honor my commitment. And there have been many, 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 many marriages that, that hit rocky spots and they worked through it because they were committed to one another, and they came out on the other side with a much much better people, a much better couple, and, and much better Christians. But if you say, I'm just trying you out, I'm just going to see how we work, that, you're not even being honest. And when you hit that rocky spot, you'll say, we don't work. And so you separate, and, and you've, you, you, you're damaged. You didn't grow better because of commitment. You said, I'm trying. You don't try out marriage. You make a commitment to marriage. This is why marriage is you make promises. Why do you make a promise? Because you realize my promise is going to be tested. Sometimes it's not easy to love a person. Sometimes it's not easy to to do what God says in a marriage. And that's when a committed person makes it through there. And a person who says, I'm just trying you out, seeing if we're compatible, they don't make it through. There's so many other reasons not to live together before marriage. Marriage is more than a piece of paper. It is a solemn commitment before God. And when you make it and you follow through on the promises, you become a better person. You become a better Christian. God will will bless you greatly if you take this path. Shall we pray about it? Let's do. Father in heaven, I pray in a culture in which we live, that has lost sight of what marriage is and does not honor marriage. For so many people, it's become nothing but a party, a celebration, a reason to to get wild, when in fact, Lord, it is to be a a solemn event with people coming around a new new couple 
to support them in prayer and to say, we will stand with you as you fulfill these promises before God. Father, I pray that you'd help us not to be defiled by a culture that no longer honors marriage, but we would stand firm in the biblical understanding of it. I pray today, Lord, for people who are who are living together, trying one another out, seeing if they're compatible. Lord, it sounds so good, but it's such a false idea. I pray that you'd help them choose to get married and to make those marriages work. I pray for believers who have fallen into this deception. They would repent, and they'd realize they're not honoring this institution you created, the institution of marriage. And I pray, Lord, for every believer here, and I pray for families in our day and age. Help them be strong. There's so many cultural forces working against their success. Help our families and our churches to be mighty for you, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. It's important we get in the Word of God. It's important that we get inspired. That's why we come here, to get inspired. But also, it's important that we get taught and educated. And we think, how, how do I think through these questions I'm facing in my daily life or in my community, my church, my family? So I'm glad you're here. We come here every day and get in the Word of God. There's so much to learn here. You'll never learn it all. We could spend hours a day and just scratch the surface. But we come here for about 15 minutes every day. I hope you'll join us. If you're new, welcome. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Share with your friends. Post on your social media. And uh, let's get some spiritual growth going here. To you who are here every day, I love you. So glad you're here. God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we continue studying the book of Philippians together. We'll be starting chapter two tomorrow. I look forward to seeing you then. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye.